0: Welcome to DIA Today, Democracy in America Today. I'm Matt Parks alongside Dave Corbin. Glad to have you with us as we explore the ideas behind today's headlines. So we've wrapped up the fall semester, Dave. At least our students have.
1: Yeah, just grading to go, which is always a little bit of a, a crunch right before Christmas. but. Uh... Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's a great day. I remember my freshman semester, my freshman first semester, and then just the joy of getting through that uh, first set of finals and all the rest. So uh, I hope all of my students have a, have a great weekend uh, and uh, three weeks and start back up again.
0: Yeah, technically my students have about seven and a half hours to turn in their exam no doubt they've all got it done, and, you know, they're just waiting for me to, to check out tomorrow morning. But in the off chance that of someone's still working on it, they do have a little bit of time left to, to try to squeeze in a few more words, a few more observations on things. So uh, we know how that is. And, you know, as we were thinking about it, uh, we've really wrapped up our first semester uh, on the podcast here. Uh, season one is the way that it's recorded in official podcast language, but really semester one for us. And, you know, I guess we've, we've made it through our first fall semester of the freshman year, which, you know, is a challenge for everybody, right?
1: Yes, 30 shows. So that's, that's actually, we probably did about a year's worth of work. So we should get credit for two semesters. But uh, <laughs> I, want, I want six credits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want, I want more credits for, for that. But uh, yeah, no, it's been great. I, I think that, uh, you know, going into it back in May, our hope was to uh, dig a little deeper uh, behind the headlines and, and try to make these connections between ideas in the past and why things are going on. and you know, with that uh, uh, perspective, uh, that thus be able to kind of have a more uh, intelligent you know, conversations uh, about, about things, and, and uh, that produces a more civil discourse, a peaceful elections, et cetera. So it was a total success on every front. Nailed start it. start the show in May, and then the transition uh, has just been smooth uh, well, for the I, country, for the presidency, et cetera, right?
0: I think the biggest challenge we've had is there just hasn't been much going on. You know, you feel like you're just sort of straining for things to talk about with a global pandemic, a highly contested election, um, all the, the questions around race, just there wasn't really much for us to take up over the course of these last six months or so.
1: Now, it's hard to, hard to find an episode uh, title each week. Uh, that's the great thing. There's always, there's always more news, uh, and I'm sure there, there'll be more next year. <clears throat> but we have decided, right? Um, I think that we're going to switch things up a little bit, but more on that to come, correct?
0: Yeah, we'll take a few weeks off. That's our first announcement here. So this will be our last episode for about three weeks. And our next one will be coming at you on January 16th. So you, know, you can catch up on your rest. Enjoy the Christmas season, the New Year's. We'll be back at it come January 16th. We thought we'd maybe do a little bit of a quick review of of season one here and think back some of the highlights of what we've been able to talk about and then talk a little more about our plans for season two beginning in January. So how about favorite topic, Dave? We've, We've had a chance to hit a variety of different themes here, but what's what's the one maybe that's that stuck out most for you?
1: Well, I really like the discussion on authoritarianism and totalitarianism. I, I just started listening to uh, a book by Rod Dreher titled uh, "Live Not by Lies," and it's really excellent because he he spends a lot of time, at least in the beginning of the book, kind of going through what totalitarianism is. Uh, as as a threat, and uh, did something similar, you know, kind of comparing authoritarianism, to totalitarianism, and it kind of it just suggested that we were on the right track in our assessment, you know, of some of these topics that are uh, defining uh, of our time. Uh, I think likewise, uh, the conversation we had last week uh, referencing uh, Joshua Mitchell's American Awakening, I mean, these are issues, right, the question of identity politics that uh, they're not just here in 2020 or 2021. Um, they could be generational defining issues. And I think that those are the, the fun ones for me, because as the as the moral of Dreher's story goes, the more that you can begin to understand what these things are on the front end and prepare for them, it, it might not be that you can stop them from happening, but you'll have a response for them when they make their way into your life. So th- those have been some of my my favorite episode themes.
0: Yeah, I guess for me, one of my favorite conversations was our discussion of different strands of conservatism and thinking about kind of where that movement has come from going back to the 50s and 60s and the fusionism of Frank Meyer and then how that intersects with our challenges today as we look forward. That was a great symposium that we were able to walk our way through this series of essays and also the the conversation we had with Pete Peterson a few weeks ago that kind of picked up that same theme. And we're thinking about this communitarian conservatism, what's that look like? And just thinking about how do we organize political ideas moving forward? How do we kind of frame a consistent position that we can use to, to navigate these churning waters and to kind of give us a good starting point for political reflection? You know, we know that the biggest challenge I think in our day is not to get knocked off by the latest Twitter outrage, the latest thing that's you know got the headlines everybody's screaming about and to be able to just kind of settle in and and catch your breath and you know i think that's one of the things we've been trying to do with this as we've gone through especially this election season and all the controversies and uh, separate okay what are the reasonable concerns what's you know the, the crackpot theories and the the foolishness and and it's it's not easy uh, it's not easy trying to navigate uh, the media world in which we live, and and all these challenges. So, I found that conversation particularly helpful. I guess the other one that I would highlight was our discussion of the Amy Coney Barrett nomination, and I think just you know that that really stood out. That that moment, her hearings, uh, the way that she presented her vision of judiciary as really one of the the highlights of this last half year. Just really grounded and impressive, and all the all the games people were playing there in the hearings, outside the hearings, you know, all the theater, and to have a person just unflappable, serious, and honest presentation. This is actually not just the theory that we talk about in class. This is somebody who's taking that theory into the highest court in the land, who buys into it, who can articulate it effectively, and who's now, you know, in in her earliest days on the court, carrying it out. And so there's a lot to look forward to there as as you sort of follow the career that we expect her to have on the Supreme court. But that was just one of those moments where you feel like we got a break from the games and we got, we got politics distilled to statesmanship in a way that we unfortunately rarely get to see that these days, even when we seem like we have moments of, of statesmanship, it's it's always kind of mixed in with the partisan games and hackery. Uh, but there was something fresh and and pure uh, about that that i really appreciated
1: yeah i think matt i agree completely that was one of those areas where we saw you know the ideas that had framed uh, barrett's jurisprudence and she uh, fully uh, put them on display honestly uh, said that she was not a policymaker. she was someone who was going to read the constitution and whatever constitutional safeguards are there uh, she will um, she will defend Uh, those safeguards, those liberties that come from the Constitution, and that's exactly what happened in the case of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn v. Cuomo. Uh, She and others on the court were able to uh, put into place, I think, a landmark case for religious liberty that uh, they've shown that they'll continue to build upon, which has to be a great relief uh, for for many individuals uh, who were very interested in having a court uh, that went back to the Constitution and secured uh, our ability to worship you know, as we see fit. That's a great, great instance of of an idea that had a consequence uh, that, that proved to be great. Probably my political highlight of the year was just that ruling in that case.
0: Yeah. And it's already been several more cases that have been remanded to local courts in light of that ruling. So I think there was a Colorado case and New Jersey as well. And these are limitations that were not as severe as New York and California. So They're really trying to carve out some significant space for churches to secure, and and synagogues, of course, to secure their, their rights to free exercise
1: of religion. How about favorite authors? Well, I always go back to Pierre Manette. I think I've referenced him three or four times this year. He is an author who I think has done the best job of just breaking down the situation that we find ourselves in as moderns. Uh, this trend towards uh, being disabled uh, by the powers that be uh, from acting and participating uh, and, and also from um, exercising our speech on political matters. And, and his call that uh, for a recovery of the West, that'll be based upon that collective um, civic action and activity, that participation. We saw that as you mentioned in the uh, Pete Peterson interview I think we've kind of addressed it on multiple uh, occasions, just how important it is, not simply to win an election uh, or to win an argument, but to know that the course forward is, is the long, hard, but often joyful uh, exercise of, of being a citizen within a community, um, being a friend uh, to a neighbor, et cetera. So I think Manette, uh, as a thinker, I think, touches upon that as, as a good starting point for where we'll see a recovery.
0: Yeah, and related to that, I think of uh, you have all lived in and uh, the pieces we looked at with regard to gratitude that he wrote. And uh, there's really, there's probably been three or four places along the way where we've turned to him as another one of these sober voices who's able to see the forest amidst all the trees, uh, often seemingly ablaze and who's able to kind of take us back to fundamental principles and just seems to have escaped some of the hyper-partisanship of this, of this period. Another person, as we mentioned last week, that we've really gotten a lot of benefit from has been, I think, Andy McCarthy. Very clear-sighted legal analysis. It's very helpful and somebody that you can you know, count on as, as being a reliable, uh, fair-minded Student of, of the law and able to help you navigate, you know, these, some of these complicated legal questions in light of his long experience and practice as a as a prosecutor and, and legal analyst. So I've certainly grown even more appreciative of his work as we've kind of gone through these last six months. Now,
1: um,
0: how about your favorite grade book?
1: I like the animal one because I think that when I looked back on it, I would probably stick with that grading system. The only change I would have made is I I think I put scorpion in as an F. That was, yeah. that was what I give it, and and I think I changed that after my um, eight month Texas experience to fire ants, which would kind of line up. <laughs> yeah. Also. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fire ant is a is a, is a fairly uh, amazingly annoying creature. Yeah. Uh, you don't even know they're there, and, it, and it's not not just ten of them; they're like a thousand of them. You know, you know, on your you know ankles before you even know it mowing your lawn. So yeah, I, I le- like the animal system. I think what the cow was my A. So I just, I, I just switched the, the F to a fire ant, yeah. You because, know, and, and you know, what's going to happen now, I'm going to go out and have a fire tonight and I'm going to get bit by a scorpion and uh, reverse the
0: call. But uh. right. Yeah. Those fire ants, when we visit my in-laws in East Texas, you got to keep your eyes open. You're not going out there in sandals unless you're oh. really brave. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Definitely not as bad as a scorpion sting, but they're they're certainly around more often. You're probably more likely to have trouble with the the fire ants, at least you hope. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, well, my I'm I'm you know ready to assign grades. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to use the animal based system for the semester, but it will be probably fun at moments to to think about that a little bit for a little bit of a. Uh, moment of humor in the midst of all the grading over these next uh, probably four or five days as I wrap up the semester.
1: If you had a student with a good sense of humor though and, and they wrote just a terrible final exam, and was, <laughs> that was a fire ant. Right. My, well, what, what does that mean? <laughs> well, yeah, it's not an A, you know, okay, right? what's to begin with? You know, so you know, right. try it on someone with humor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like on a final exam, that might be tough. But on a, a a side with with a lesser stakes, I might I might try something like that. I also enjoyed grading the time zones. It seemed like sort of the height of frivolity. We need
1: more suggestions uh, on that grade. Uh, yeah,
0: we'll grading. we'll get
1: to that. Don't Front, yeah. don't
0: don't get too far ahead of yourself here. But <laughs> coming okay. soon, we'll talk about more of that. Okay. So how about best pick? Uh, this is somewhat ironic, of course, and relative since. Hasn't been great for us on the picking front, but we've gotten a few right. And you know, you pick enough things, you're going to get some right. So, any any especially memorable for you, Dave? Well,
1: I, I did get the hockey uh, Stanley Cup champion, uh, the Lightning. Correct. I kind of stuck yeah. with that uh, right through, even though I'm a Bruins fan. So that, that I think was my highlight pick of the year. Maybe the only highlight I've had. <laughs> Uh, my I've been a uh, my picks have been a running joke uh, I've got to figure out what's going wrong and and if we continue this uh, uh, just make a change with my style but yeah one uh-huh. right.
0: yeah I don't know that you really need to change it I mean we, we it helps to have a little bit of a lighter segment so you know if, if we can get some good humor out of that segment and at your expense it doesn't really bother me anyway so appreciate that <laughs> I I'm I'm pretty proud of my World Series pick. I got both teams correct and then got of course the Dodgers winning. Now, to be fair, picking the Dodgers wasn't the hardest thing to do, but they hadn't won one in 32 years, so certainly they were favorites but hadn't done it, so I'm I'm happy about that one. All right, well let's turn our focus now to season 2. Now, you may not have realized you were even at the end of season 1. We haven't been talking a lot about seasons, but as we've kind of thought about this moving forward, we thought, well, you know, we are academics, and we like that, as we've said before, that rhythm of the start and stop of semesters. And so maybe, Dave, maybe, why don't you talk a little about the idea we have for this, this next series of shows coming up at this beginning in January.
1: Sure, yeah. So um, we subtitled the show, The Ideas Behind the Headlines, and of course, we've begun with the headlines, and I think that probably a lot of our listeners enjoy kind of that uh, kind of going through the news and trying to find whatever issue it was that week and kind of putting it in a kind of clear 15 to 20 minute block and, and give an analysis of it and then turn uh, to the ideas to um, uh, to buffer uh, that assessment of the headlines. So what we thought we'd do in season two is, is the reverse. Uh, we would uh, try uh, on the front end uh, to begin with a discussion of of a required reading that everyone would know, we'd, we'd announce what it was going to be the week prior. It'd be about an hour long read uh, for folks. And, and then uh, we would spend the first half of the show on that required reading and then move thereafter uh, to talk about some headlines that are uh, kind of representative of whatever the idea that we're exploring that week. And uh, along the same lines, I had you know some people you know, ask, you know, would you ever put on a, a semester class-like uh, season? So I, I said, I think that would be a great idea. And, you know, we're both teachers of political philosophy. And I think my favorite class of all time when I was in college was a class titled Politics and Society, taught by a professor named John Kaiser at the University of New Hampshire, who's, who's now retired. And my favorite class to teach since I started teaching 25 years ago has been that same class, an introduction to the classics of political philosophy, a survey course, uh, if you will, where you you start uh, with Homer and then uh, pivot uh, to Plato and Aristotle, Xenophon, Thucydides. Uh, You make your way through medieval classics um, and the early modern political thinkers. And I think it's a class that when everything's said and done, uh, Fifteen or sixteen weeks into it uh, leaves you thirsting for more uh, of a discussion of these ideas. So, uh, my idea, Matt, was to uh, was to do this for season two, uh, a survey course uh, in in political philosophy, uh, and um, and then work the headlines after that that survey. So, hopefully, our we won't uh, we won't lose half of our listeners by by announcing this change. Um, <laughs> hopefully, it'll be something where you could kind of share the news with others and perhaps have someone join us starting January 16th and and kind of make their way uh, through this project, you know, a, a national kind of podcast book club, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we will certainly be focusing on making the ideas understandable and applicable explaining the reading and doing it in a way that I think can be engaging. So I think having the readings in advance, if anyone wants to, and prepare. That would be great and a good opportunity to, to think about things before we have a conversation. I'm looking forward to that. You know, we've we've team taught in the past. We did that uh, a two semester class on the Federalist. That was a great time. One of my highlights of my teaching career. I think just just having the dynamic of, of team teaching. You now there's sort of a, a playfulness that goes along with that, but kind of the intellectual challenge of being engaged with each other and uh, testing ideas and and pushing back on this interpretation or that application or what have you. So I think it'll be a lot of fun to think about it as in some ways a a team taught class. And again, I think what we're going to find is that as we go through these these texts, that there's going to be a lot that they have to say about our present circumstances. And so I think if you're somebody who likes to follow the political news, the big stories closely, uh, you're not going to miss out because we're going to just reach those same stories by the back door. And we'll be able to then show these deeper trends and deeper ideas that are really driving our political dialogue, even when we're not able to acknowledge them or able to necessarily discern them in the obvious way in the particular speeches and policies of political leaders.
1: Yeah. So now we have the drum roll. What's the first reading going to be for, for January 16th? I, I mentioned homer and, and going back to the beginning but before we go back to the beginning i i think it would be helpful especially given uh, the namesake of the show to read the author's introduction tocqueville's introduction to democracy in america uh, it's about a, a 20 page uh, length introduction uh, will take you an hour to an hour and a half and there's a reason why we select that, that excerpt from Democracy in America, a particular reason why we select that excerpt, and, and that is that Tocqueville does something amazing here in his introduction. He, he's able to outline the reason why he wrote Democracy in America by placing the book within the context of larger forces in world history. and and mentioning here that that there is something historically that's going on in the world that's changing it, but that there are also principles. There are also philosophic principles that you can turn to, uh, tools that you can employ to understand history. That um, it's not an either or where you have to have these um, abstract forms and ideas that have nothing to do with the real world or groundedness that has nothing to do with Ideas and, and reflection and uh, contemplation uh, of uh, custom, culture uh, of, of eternals that both go hand in hand well. And I think that um, Tocqueville picks up on this because he's also seen it in, in great authors of the past. And we'll begin with Tocqueville. And from there, uh, go back uh, 2,500 to 3,000 years and, and, and march our way through the spring, uh, through the course of Western civilization, uh, hopefully of being able to pick up a, a lot of these excellent ideas and, and paradigms on how we can understand the world better.
0: Yeah, I think Tocqueville is a great place to start because he's really fundamental for understanding the political culture that we live in in this longer view, you know, post-French Revolution, post-America Revolution. What's what's the basic lay of the political land? and And he's observing this transition from aristocracy to democracy. Aristocracy has been the dominant regime type for thousands of years by the time he's writing. And he sees that that period of aristocratic regime is, is waning, it's being replaced, that democracy is emerging. And so now we live in that world. And yet through de Tocqueville, as you're suggesting, we have this this lens through which we can then work our way back into that aristocratic age, understand what it was that defined that age and, and the ways that it continues to influence our political life, but but do so having laid out the broad contours of that political life and understood what's, what's significant and different about the age in which we live in comparison with what's
1: come before it. Yeah, I'll just add one more thing, Matt, about de Tocqueville that I think will be a particular uh, interesting aspect of, of his presentation for those in our listening audience um, who are, are Christian believers, he, he asked the question, are things moving in the direction they're moving because of God's providence? Uh, and if they are, what, what, is, what is the Christian's response uh, to that movement? And, I mean, I think that's a question that's on many a Christian's mind in the year 2020. We, we've seen, you know, dramatic changes in how we live, cultural norms, customs, etc. How do we make our way in a world where these changes are happening? What, what do we do? What is our response? And, and what, what can we turn to? Of course, we, we turn to the Bible and we turn to God's Word uh, to try to make sense as to where we are first. Uh, but how do we respond? And I think that um, this is a place where uh, our appreciation and understanding of political philosophy can act as a as a good supplement uh, to, to that turning to the word and making our way forward. So hopefully that will happen also in the spring.
0: One last thought on season two, uh, a resolution of sorts. So I don't know about you, Dave, but many of us, that first semester of freshman year, we don't just have our academic challenges. We have our challenges of eating and weight gain and uh, the notorious freshman 15. And I think we had our own freshman 15. Uh, you look at the early episodes, they were about 45, 50 minutes long. And by the end here, we've been clocking in around an hour, or an hour and five. So we're going to try to get back into our skinny jeans for the new season, make it more like a 45 to 50 minute podcast. We know you're your time is valuable as, as is everybody's, and so we want to make sure that we give you the most uh, succinct and and yet thoughtful presentation of the ideas that we can.
1: Not going to point any fingers, but the the long-winded, you know, movement through the headlines each week, you almost got the sense, you know, as if one of us, you know, kind of missed out on a career in news reporting or something like that and <laughs> kind of would have... Like to to you know be working for Fox News right now, so yeah, um, well, I, mean, I have to go back and do the math and see whether it was the required reading or not. But I tried to be as concise as possible. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I
0: some know. of us didn't do quite as good a job. Okay. Well, it may be that that if we if we look at the timestamps, and so we have all those timestamps in the show notes, so we can go back and we can add it all up. Now, what they don't know is that every week I I. I'm often trimming 10 or 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes off it. So, you can be grateful for that. That, that at least I have contributed to uh, sparing the listener's time. All right, but we're going to turn to the grade book and uh, the obvious great book topic. As you've probably already begun to process the the hole in your life that you're anticipating over these next few weeks as we take this break, what should you do with that 45 minutes to maybe an hour and five? that you were using to listen to DIA today over these next three weeks. So we've got a couple ideas we're gonna grade. So number one, catching up on the required reading. We all know how it is, end of the semester, right? A lot of, a lot of things you wanna to get to, can't quite get done. What do you think, Dave?
1: I, I'd have to give that an A, given that I've assigned most of the required reading. Yeah. Uh, and. Probably it's been skimmed, you know, I'm not, <laughs> not pointing any fingers at our listeners, but uh, or, or, hosts. A, or hosts, exactly. That's right. Um, or presenters, exactly. So yeah, I, I, I think that's an A. I, I, and now's the time you have three weeks um, and and then Democracy in America comes in January 16th. So yeah, an A for catching up with the required reading.
0: Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of good things there. And again, you can always go back the show notes. If you subscribe to the podcast, that's one of the benefits. We have a pretty extensive show notes. You can get all the links to the articles that we cite as well as at least the name and reference for the older pieces. If it's a common text, we won't always link to that. Those are easy to find. You can Google those. If it's a contemporary piece, we'll always have the link in there as well. So should be able to track those down if you want to go back. And as we've been talking about some of the shows that we've enjoyed If one or two have come to mind, you thought, oh yeah, maybe I should go back and take a look at that. There's a chance to do that. Okay, number two, discover a new podcast.
1: I like it. I I think that uh, I've actually kind of gotten into the whole podcast thing. Uh, My wife uh, was on a podcast. She was interviewed for a podcast that I thought was just a terrific, terrific idea, especially this year where there are probably very few high school reunions. Her class president um, from her class at uh, Arlington High School in massachusetts i won 't say what year interviewed some forty or fifty of his uh, classmates kind of ca- caught up with where they are in their lives and and I thought it 's a really great concept uh, you know you have all these people that you went to high school with and and where are they now, and the ability to kind of tune into a podcast and hear people 's stories i think is is a pretty pretty neat reconnection so i 'm sure there are other excellent uh, concepts like that uh, out there in the podcast world. So I'd, I'd likewise give that an A, but don't get too caught up in any of these things because we want you back by right. the middle of January, right? To right. Listen There's, for a couple weeks, but realize that we're your bread and butter podcast,
0: right? There's obviously a risk here, right? Um, but yeah, you know, actually it's, it's all the rage now in, in our family. My oldest daughter has actually started a podcast with uh, several of her friends called, The Book Diaries, and they put their first episode out uh, last week, and it's about little women and their love for that, and the book versus various movies and a few other topics. And my son is actually working through an idea of a podcast with his best friend called Pod Racers, which will, of course, talk about Star Wars and things like this, but pod Nice little pun there. So we might be a three-podcast family before too long, which I feel badly for my, my parents, you know, who are obliged to tune into these things. And yet, uh, you know, it's what are you going to do with your retirement days, right? So keep the content going. Um, but there's other good podcasts out there. It's, it's a world that I hadn't really gotten into too much until the last year or two. But, um, you know, as an old radio listener, now that the podcast is sort of taking away, some of the best content for the radio. I'm, I'm glad to discover all the neat different kinds of shows that are out there. So I'm going to give that an A also. All right. Lastly, and maybe the most urgent, send us some good ideas for the grade book.
1: A plus uh, plus. We, we would always, we, we need more and more ideas, more feedback uh, on everything would be great. So you, you won't hurt our feelings. Well, maybe you'll hurt our feelings, but um, hopefully the show will be improved but anything you'd send would, would be great. Any, any comments and is there a, uh, where, where would they send those things to Matt?
0: Yeah. Well, we've got our Instagram account, so you can connect with okay. us through that democracy in America today, but we also have a, a, a Gmail account, democracy in America today at gmail.com. So you can, you can send ideas that way. Uh, you can also look us up at the King's college in Providence. Neither of us has got uh, hidden emails, at least in terms of our institutional emails. So, yeah, I'd be glad to hear from you as the person who's often the one coming up with the ideas for the great book. It's one of our frequent conversations around the dinner table uh, come Wednesday or Thursday in a week where I haven't come up with anything. And so it's, it's good to have fresh ideas and, and things to talk about. So, yeah, I would definitely be glad to hear from you on that or anything else related to the show as we move forward. All right. Well, we have to do the crystal ball. Um, as, as bad as it sometimes is, last week I was one and four. The only game I got right was picking against the NFCE, so that was at least some consolation. But cumulative record now 31 and 28, so dangerously close to falling below 500. I've been proud of the fact that I've been at least above that all along, but it's, it's not looking good if I have a bad week this week.
1: Did I go 500 last
0: week? Did you I were finally- two and three, so I mean wow. that was pretty good. The the Columbus wow. Crew came through for you. That was key. Wow. Um, okay. Alliteration always wins when it comes to the MLS championship. And then you got you got Army, uh, which we're not okay. going to talk about anymore. So. Okay. This week, though, uh, we've got a lot of really so big... No,
1: notice there that you don't do my cumulative record. I mean, I'm understanding that it's probably just too bad that you don't oh, really want to reference anymore. Yeah, or...
0: well, we, 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 can, we can update that. Yeah, so your cumulative record now is 18 and 41. So we can talk about that as much as you want, but I'm, I was thinking we might want to just move on.
1: Okay, yeah, let's move on.
0: All um, right, so that. we've got some big, big college football games this weekend. And we're going to talk about the three that have the most college football playoff implications. So first, first, we have the Big Ten championship, number 14 Northwestern against number four Ohio State in Indianapolis. Ohio State, a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. Dave, what do you think?
1: Ohio State by 38 points, I'm going to say. Okay. I. I yeah I, I, I could, yeah, I think they're just going to blow them out. I think Ohio State's really a really good team.
0: Yeah, the way I've been thinking about these three matchups is how much do the style points matter? Right? If you're trying to get into the college football playoff, how much do you need the style points? Because if you don't need the style points, you, you, know, you, you, you secure the win, and then maybe you make sure your best players don't get hurt, that kind of thing. But Ohio State's only 5-0. and There's going to be a controversy about whether they deserve to be in the playoff. Unless they just absolutely blow Northwestern away. So I think they're going to do that. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a a huge, huge win for Ohio State. Because I think there's a real possibility that if it's a narrow victory, they might not get that fourth spot. I think Ohio State knows what they have to do. And that's win big and that they will do that. How about ACC championship game? Number three, Clemson against number two, Notre Dame, Charlotte, North Carolina rematch of Notre Dame's 47-40 to 40 victory last month. Of course, that was with Trevor Lawrence out because of COVID. Clemson is a 10-point favorite.
1: I also think here, and I, I like your analysis about the seeding, I think Clemson wins by three touchdowns. I, I, I think that uh, they really turn it on you know, from beginning to end, and um, they don't want to go back to a, a fourth seed or even be knocked out, and uh, I think so they need to win. So, I, yeah, I would take Clemson here.
0: Yeah, I agree again. I think I think this is going to be probably 2 to 3 touchdown win for Clemson. I don't think they'll totally blow them away. Notre Dame's a good team obviously, but I think Clemson has all the reason, they're out for revenge. They need the win. Two losses be a very dangerous position for them with respect to making the playoff. You know, Notre Dame's uh, coach just said today that he's not sure if his team will play in the Rose Bowl if that's the playoff game that they would be assigned if they can't have friends and family there, or at least family there. So I think Clemson can make that a lot easier with a big win, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Notre Dame actually misses out on the playoff if they lose badly. Number three, SEC championship game. Number one, Alabama against number seven, Florida, playing in Atlanta. Alabama, another big favorite, 17-point favorite.
1: I think they cover. I I think Alabama – uh, is aiming to kind of be – this This Alabama team is aiming to be one of the best, if not the best Alabama team. Uh, their offense is incredible, so they can score points. I mean, Florida can score points as well, but this strikes me as a game that will you know be like 59-35 or something like that. But I, I think Alabama can cover in a game like that. I'm going to go the other way on this one. I think, I think Alabama is in a situation where
0: a win is good enough for them and I don't think they're going to put the pedal to the metal on this. So I think they probably get a nice, comfortable lead early on and then back off a little bit. Might be kind of a backdoor cover where Florida scores the last 10 points in the game or something and loses by, by 10 points. Florida's got an outside chance at the playoff. If they were to beat Alabama, that would be a very, very impressive win, obviously. After losing to LSU last week, I think they're going to be ready to fight hard. And, of course, they've got a Heisman Trophy candidate who's going to want to Impress the nation uh, with that stage uh, available to him to do that against Alabama's own high school trophy candidate. So I think there's a lot of reasons to think Florida's going to fight hard. I think Alabama doesn't have quite the motivation for as Florida for this one. They certainly want to win, but I think a win will be enough for them. So I think I think Florida is going to be able to cover the 17 points. All right, that's college football. Now we got two NFL games. Our NFC. East game of the week. We've got the 5-8 49ers at the 4-9 and nine Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a huge win last week, 30-7. to seven. Now it's over the Bengals, uh, to be sure. But still, 30-7 is 30-7. Now at home, but disrespected. 49ers a three-point favorite. What do you think?
1: I'm going to take the Cowboys here. I, I I think they're still in it, right? They could still, if they won out, yeah. they could win the the. Uh, NFC East. So yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Cowboys there and, and uh, take the three points.
0: Yeah. How often can you say that four and 19 still in it? <laughs> still got a chance at the division crown, but absolutely. Right. Stranger things have happened. So yeah, right now, Washington's got six wins. So certainly three wins would do it. I'm not sure the tiebreakers work if they can get in with six and 10, but, but yeah, they've gotten something to play for, for sure. I'm going to take the 49ers in this. Um, I think the 49ers are underperforming this year. They've got their, some of their offensive weapons coming back, it looks like. And Brendan Ayuk, who's primed for a big game, George Kittle might even be back. So if he's back, I'd feel very comfortable about this. But I think 49ers are able to cover the, the narrow three-point spread. And probably not a big win, but, but enough. All right, lastly, game of the week, maybe the game of the year, possible Super Bowl preview, Kansas City Chiefs at New Orleans Saints. We just found out Drew Brees is going to start for the Saints coming back. Chiefs are a three-point favorite.
1: I think the Chiefs win this, uh, not by a landslide, but they they win by more than three points. I think at, when this game is over, people will be asking the question: Can anyone stop the Chiefs? Can anyone uh, prevent them from from winning back-to-back Super Bowls? I mean, they they've kind of shown the last three or four weeks that you know they'll get down by a touchdown or so, and then they'll just turn it on and when they press that button, uh, they just go. And I mean, uh, he's amazing. Mahomes is amazing. He's, he's fun to watch. And uh, so, and I, and I don't really think that Breeze is, is all what he's has been in the past. I mean, I'll definitely hall of famer, but you know, I wonder uh, whether uh, he'll be able to come back and, and hit a rhythm right away. So, well, with the chiefs here.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, those are all good reasons. I'm going to take the saints anyway, I think there's a Cinderella story here. I think Breeze is gonna come back. It's gonna be one of those moments at home. You know, he's winding down his career and he's maybe got a couple games left. He's gonna be highly motivated. He's not gonna to want to lose this game at home. It's gonna to be tough. There's no question about it. But if Mahomes is slightly off and you know, you have Michael Thomas maybe finally have a big game, Alvin Kamara. I mean, there's some amazing weapons if Breeze is able to just hang in there and, uh, you know, breathe after breaking all of his ribs. I, I just have a feeling there's, there's kind of a, a storyline here where the Saints pull this thing off, and, and maybe that's it, you know, and maybe no one beats the Chiefs again, and they ride all the way to the Super Bowl. But I think, I think the Saints are going to win this one last time, big win for, for Drew Brees at home.
1: What a weekend if you're a football fan. Uh, that, between that game and the two college football matchups, all you can want and more. So, really yep. – Great weekend.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show, and that's going to wrap it up for the next several weeks. Thank you, as always, for listening. We look forward to being back with you in January. In the meantime, please remember to subscribe and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
1: Merry Christmas.